green tracks, red flags and messed up grids. The Miami Grand Prix is back and here's what I thought. So get ready because you've been summoned to the steward's office. Hello everyone and welcome back to the steward's office. I'm Syrah and today we're going to be chatting about the Miami Grand Prix. I'm back after taking last week off since I was on holiday, but I did manage to keep up with Baku, and I can't lie, it wasn't the most exciting of races, especially in terms of overtakes and what I would expect from Baku. And after last year's inaugural Miami Grand Prix and the course of the season so far, I didn't have the highest hopes for this race either, but let's just get into it. We were going into this weekend with a resurfaced track, so track evolution was gonna be massive. I was definitely expecting to see times get quicker and quicker as the weekend went on, and you could pretty much see that straight away in FP1, which probably gave a bit too much hope to Mercedes fans when George and Lewis finished the session in P1 and P2. But they had bolted on a set of soft tyres pretty late into the session and were one of the last sets of drivers to go out on track when it was probably in the best condition for the entire session. And look, as a Mercedes fan myself, I wanted to have hope that the car had magically gotten better, this P1 and P2 was on merit, but realistically, I knew it was way, way more to do a track evolution than what the car was actually capable of, especially on a weekend where I'm pretty sure they had brought no real proper upgrades either. Elsewhere though, Alpine were actually getting the chance to properly test out the upgrades that they had bought to Baku. And look, last weekend had been a nightmare for them. The car was going up in smoke, there were crashes, it was just messy. None of it had really given us an idea, or to be fair, the team an idea of how those upgrades were actually going to work for them on track, but it did look a lot, a lot better for them in FP1. Pierre was pretty comfortable in the top 10, and he even managed to get ahead of both of the Aston Martins. It was probably a shorter session than what the teams would have wanted though since Nico Hülkenberg ended up having a crash and that brought the red flag out and cut down on the amount of time on track. FP2 then definitely put a cork in the hopes of those Mercedes fans who thought that the car was better and we had George and Lewis finishing in 15th and 7th. And look, I mean, I know FP1 was an anomaly, I know it was down to a fair bit of luck on when they had gotten out on track and down to timing, but to see George that far down the timesheets must have been a kick for the team as well as the fans. I mean, I knew they weren't going to be great, but I wasn't expecting to see him that far down the timesheet. Red Bull, though, on the other hand, were in fighting form as per usual and had no issues getting to the top of the timesheets with Max, which really is not a surprise anymore. What was a bit of a surprise to me, though, was seeing both of the Ferraris splitting the Red Bulls. I know Baku looked pretty promising for them, but like Mercedes, they're just another team that, as much as I want them to do well, and I really, really do, I keep my hopes low so I don't get disappointed in them. I try not to have too much hope in what they're saying, in what Italian media is saying, and I just wait for the results. 
but it did end up being a pretty solid session for them. That was up until Charles ended up going nose first into a barrier around turn A and causing a red flag to come out whilst his car was recovered. Thankfully it just looked like it was cosmetic damage, there was nothing that needed to be replaced other than the front wing, no engine parts or gearboxes or anything like that which is always good to know. There was also Kevin Magnuson though who'd clipped the wall early on in the session and that brought out some double yellow flags. In general though, FP2 was just a squirrely session for a lot of the drivers. To be fair, the whole of Friday had some moments for pretty much all of the drivers where they had needed to try and save the car. It just looked like the minute the cars were going off the racing line, there was absolutely no grip and it was causing problems for them to try and keep the car out of the barriers and on the track. And stuff like that just doesn't bode well for the race when overtakes are going to be made off the racing line or defensive moves are going to be made off of the racing line. So it made me wonder at that point how cautious some of the drivers might be or how cautious some of the teams might want the drivers to be and how aggressive some of them would be willing to be in their overtakes. FP3 was kind of the same story again, the Red Bulls and the Ferraris were looking really strong. Aston Martin still didn't look like they were showing their hand fully though because they weren't even in the top 10 and that was quite surprising and I think a lot of us just thought they're either holding back or maybe they're just trying a couple of different setups to figure out what they wanted for quality in the race. Generally the same thing coming out of the teams though and thankfully this time we didn't see any red flags coming out but there were a couple more moments from the drivers trying to save their cars as they went off the racing line or they locked up. So I'm pretty sure the teams were quite thankful that none of the drivers were coming back with any damage because quality was straight afterwards, the cars were going into Park Fumi and it would have been a pretty quick turnaround if there had been any damage. Qualifying though was definitely an interesting one for this race weekend. Going into it, I mean look, realistically I knew that it was gonna end up being a Red Bull pole position. After that I thought Ferrari were gonna be the ones that were closest to bringing a fight to them because like I said Aston Martin hadn't shown a whole load throughout the weekend. I didn't think they would be super far back but I didn't know exactly whether they would be in a really close fight with Red Bull. But out of the four top teams, I think the one that was sort of the biggest unknown was Mercedes. Like I said with Aston, I thought they were just holding back, that they would have the pace. I didn't think there was anything necessarily wrong with the car. Mercedes just felt like an unknown to me because anything they had in FP1 pace-wise just seemed to disappear as the weekend went on. The car setup also wasn't great. We heard drivers complaining about the vibrations in the car. It looked like there was a little bit of bouncing at times, so it looked like they weren't able to get the correct setup over those three practice sessions for the W14. So yeah, for Merck, I was probably going in there thinking somewhere in the top 10, but definitely not the front few rows, probably further back in the top 10, anywhere from like 6th downwards probably is what I was thinking. What I wasn't expecting was the starting grid that we ended up with. Let's start with the fact that this was just a little bit of a nightmare for Logan Sargent who was meant to be the hometown hero this weekend and he ended up qualifying in P20. To be fair, he 
did look like he was struggling with the car setup over the weekend and we had heard radio message definitely in FP3 where he was talking about the balance of the car not being quite right. So that just seemed like something that hadn't sorted itself out, that him and his engineers weren't able to really nail down to make himself feel comfortable in the car over the weekend and he ended up with the slowest time in quality. The session in general though was just a little bit of a mess. We had pretty close accidents in a few places during Q1. There was Lewis who had clipped a wall as he tried to avoid hitting Kevin when they were both on a slow lap and that incident is still really weird to me. It wasn't like one of them was on a quick lap and the other wasn't or there was massive like sudden breaking that we weren't expecting so I'm not entirely sure what happened there but Kevin didn't end up having to get any sort of penalty for it but definitely one of the weirder incidents that I saw. I don't know whether Lewis just panicked last minute, maybe didn't realise Kevin was there and just ended up swerving right and clipped the barrier and had to go in for a new wing but yep there was that. There was then Joe who had to dodge going into the back of Carlos's car and then there was Yuki who looked like he had impeded Nico in the pit lane and Nico was not too happy about it. So just a teeny bit of a mess for the Q1 session. It was a really difficult Q1 for both of the Mercedes drivers and I wasn't even sure they were gonna get out of the elimination zone and to be fair they almost didn't. I think the extra set of soft tyres that they had bolted on at the end of Q1 was a big reason for them being able to get through but that was going to end up putting them at a disadvantage for the rest of the session. Honestly though guys, some proper heart in mouth moments in Q1 for me. I could feel my heart thumping because I just genuinely did not think the car had the pace to get them through into Q2 which seems insane considering the car has looked better this year but Miami was just not working out for them in quali. McLaren also had an interesting time of it. To be fair the car hadn't looked completely awful this weekend. There were points where it definitely looked like the car had potential to work and to do well. I think in FP2 was where we saw Lando go up to P6, he was ahead of Lewis, he was ahead of both of the Mercedes actually, so I thought there was definitely a chance for them to do okay this race and just this weekend in general, but Oscar ended up in P19 and Lando in P16. To be fair, in FP3 the results weren't great for them, but I think I was just expecting a bit more from the team. I thought maybe FP3 was an anomaly, when in all truth it was actually FP2 that was the anomaly, and FP3 was actually a show of what their pace was like. But whatever upgrades they're bringing just aren't making a huge difference to their one lap pace right now, and the McLarens are suffering in quality because of it. The biggest shock from that session for me was Lance Stroll, hands down, who ended up in P18. It was nowhere near where I thought the Aston Martin should be, even considering what their practice placements were in the timesheets. I don't think anyone was expecting Lance to end up there, so he was definitely already an out-of-place car in that starting grid. Q2 then saw Alpine still showing pretty strong pace and from both of their drivers. They were pretty evenly matched with their lap times which I always love seeing between teammates when they're both extracting the best out of the car and pretty even on what they can get out of it. The used tyres of the Mercedes weren't doing them any favours at all as well as both of their drivers not having the cleanest of flying laps. 
The lap times were getting way quicker though as more and more rubber got laid down on the track and they weren't having to contend with any traffic this time around and that was for all the drivers. But it just wasn't enough to get Lewis out of Q2 and he ended up in P13. He'd said down the radio that he felt that the team had gotten him out of the garage way too late so I don't know whether it was an issue with traffic or that he felt that his tyre warm-up was way more rushed than what he might have wanted it to be. Either way though, the pace lap car just wasn't there to help him combat any of those issues and that P13 quality meant that this was the first time Lewis had qualified out of the top six whilst in America. I can't lie though, I was a little bit surprised to see an Alfa Romeo manage to make it into Q3. I don't think they've managed to do that at all this season. The car just has not been great for them, but Valtteri managed to get that car out to Q2, and we ended up having seven different teams in Q3, which is pretty nice to see, I can't lie, I love seeing more teams managing to get into Q3, even though realistically I knew out of those seven teams there was only one team that was gonna get pulled position, it's still nice seeing those teams slowly work their way up the grid. Q3 though was where everything got a little more messed up for the grid. Max ended up going wide on his first fast lap, which isn't unusual for any of the drivers. Like I said, drivers had been squirrely all weekend and there was definitely more wind that was coming into this part of the session, but he ended up having to abort that lap. Checo, on the other hand, managed to set a time on his first flying lap to get him provisional pole, and then we definitely saw some more pace out of the Aston Martin, with Fernando taking P2 at the time. And those first few laps were going to be so, so crucial to every driver in Q3, because when they all went out for their final laps of the session, Charles Leclerc ended up spinning in turn 4, going into a runoff area, and the back of the car had bumped into a barrier and put an end to his session. That meant another red flag was brought out, and it then brought a premature end to the Q3 run-ins since there wasn't enough time left on the clock for the drivers to go out, do a warm-up lap, and actually do a quality lap. It just ended up leaving us with a messed up grid, and I don't think anyone had been expecting that. I mean, Max was going to be starting the race in P9. Don't get me wrong, I didn't think for a single second he was going to struggle from there. It wasn't going to be hard for him to get those overtakes in and in a pretty timely manner during the race, but it definitely wasn't going to be a position that he would have wanted to start in, and it was going to make the start of his race more difficult than it needed to be since he was going to have to try and cut through the field pretty cleanly without getting into a tangle with other cars and picking up any damage. Esteban and Charles were the two other drivers that this really did not benefit. I mean, Charles for obvious reasons, because they were going to have to check that part of the car and make sure the gearbox didn't have any major damage. In the end, I think they changed the gearbox, but it was more just in case there was an issue than that they had actually found an issue. But his initial flying lap had seen him lock up, and it meant that he had gone into P7. And for Esteban... I think there was a little bit more pace that he could have been able to extract from that car, especially as the track was evolving towards the end of the session, but he was going to start in P8, which is definitely not a bad place to start, especially for Alpine, but there was the potential for a little bit more, I think. 
even if he wasn't going to get a better grid position, maybe the lap time would have been a little bit better. And just for all the drivers, it's just always a case of you don't know what could have happened. So that was Quali, which was a little bit of a mess. I think if I had been expecting a red flag in Quali, I would have expected it probably in Q1 when there were more cars on track, not in Q3. Before we actually get into talking about the race, can we just have a quick chat about the driver presentations? Because those were definitely an interesting addition, I would say, if not a little bit awkward at times. I can't say I was a huge, huge fan of them, but it did feel quite fitting for America in terms of the sort of grandeur and all of the pomp that was surrounding it, I guess. It felt very American. I think that the FIA has put this in as a thing for every race. I'm not sure if that's the case. I think so. But I feel like it's going to end up being overkill if they do it for every single race for the rest of the season. And I just don't think it's necessary. If you want to do it in certain races, I think fair enough. Definitely places like Texas and when we go to Las Vegas, I think it makes sense. Abu Dhabi maybe at the end of the season. Silverstone even maybe. But every race feels like a little bit of an overkill. If they are going to do it, maybe it'll just get a little less awkward as time goes on because even the drivers walking out seems a little bit awkward. Who knows though, I guess we'll see when all the documents for Immut come out whether this is something that is going to be happening every race. The actual race itself though, well it had rained overnight in Miami which meant that all the rubber that had been laid down over the weekend was gone. The track was green but it was going to mean that we would see the same kind of track evolution that we saw over the weekend in Friday and Saturday practices on quali. Because of that though I think I was expecting maybe a few slips and knocks into other cars towards the beginning of the race especially going into turn one but it didn't actually start too badly. Most of the cars managed to get through that first turn with no problem. The only real incident that we had was with Nick and Lando where Nick has locked up and gone into the back of the McLaren, but that ended up being classed as a first lap incident. What was a little strange was Logan going into the pits for a new set of tyres and a new front wing three laps into the race. Now, I didn't see anything. I don't think Sky has shown us anything happening with him, so I'm not sure if maybe he scraped or knocked into a wall that had damaged maybe a front wing end plate, or whether there was debris that might have damaged his car from the Nick Lando incident, but it just wasn't a great start to the race for him. Let's be honest here, the entire weekend was just awful for him. Logan has had much better races over the course of the season so far, and this just wasn't one of them so it's got to be gutting when that awful race is your home race. If there was anyone who thought it was going to take Max Verstappen a long time to get towards the front of the pack then I really need to ask have they been watching F1 at all this season because he had no issue getting past drivers especially when the DRS was open on that Red Bull. He was just breezing by with no problem. By lap 4 he had made up 3 places and was in P6 and this was where he was on the hard tyres while some of the cars that were around him that he was overtaking were on the medium tyres. So you would just expect it to be a little bit harder for him to sort of heat up the tyres, get them into that working window and make those moves. 
but apparently even being on a harder compound wasn't going to make a difference to the way he was able to drive and get those overtakes in. And then by lap 10, he was already on the hunt for a podium position behind Carlos and eh, the Ferrari pace was not looking great, so it was never going to be a difficult job for him to get past Carlos. Lewis, on the other hand, had such a slow start to the race. He wasn't making any progress at all. During the first lap, he had a little bit of contact with Nico and he'd said down the radio that he might have picked up some damage, but Bono assured him that the front wing seemed fine and that there was no issue with it. So the lack of pace was just that. A lack of pace because of the car. I don't think it was going to help being behind the Williams who had way better straight line speed compared to the Mercedes. And then he was also stuck towards the end of a DRS train that just wasn't going anywhere anytime soon. It took him up until lap 15 to get past Alex, but it was just way more difficult for him than what we've seen in previous seasons and even in previous races this year. It almost felt like the W14 had taken a massive step back this race and I have no clue why. I don't even know if the team really know why, but from the looks of it, bar the poor poison, it felt like we'd almost gone back to the W13. McLaren went for a pretty odd, I would say, strategy for the start of the race. And I mean, I was trying to figure out why they'd opted to do this. The other 18 drivers had either opted to go on hards or mediums. I don't think anyone was expecting to use the soft tyres bar in qualification, but McLaren ended up putting both of their drivers onto the softs, and unsurprisingly, that didn't last long, because on lap 6, both of the drivers ended up coming into the pits for the hard compound. I don't know whether McLaren thought that it might help them make up some spaces pretty quickly, because the soft tyres get into the working window a lot faster, they're a lot quicker, so just cut through the field maybe a little bit easier, but that definitely didn't work out for Lando in particular after that turn 1 incident where he dropped quite a few places. Or maybe it was just McLaren thinking that they didn't really have anything to lose, I guess, starting from P16 and P19. Just hope for the best, maybe the strategy would work out for them, but it wasn't happening, let's be honest. From the outside, it was just looking like a really sad and long race for the team. Part of it was definitely unlucky because of that incident with Lando, but even then, where they ended up in qualifying was not where the team wanted to be. The upgrades that they're bringing don't really seem to be cutting down that time that they're losing, both in quality and in race pace, and... I just, I don't know guys, at this point, I can't see them catapulted into the front of the grid consistently. I think it's going to be a really up and down season for them. I think there will be some races where they do well and some where they won't. And Miami was definitely a race where they did not do well with neither of the drivers managing to get into the points. Ferrari's race was just a little bit of a nightmare. I don't get why that car always seems to do well on one lap pace, but they just can't get their car to perform in a similar way during the race. Carlos seemed to be in no man's land from the start. He wasn't able to keep up with Fernando in front, and then it didn't take long for Max to overtake him, and there was just nothing that Carlos really had with the car to be able to fight back. And it was the same for Charles, who ended up in P9. He kind of had a similar race start to Lewis in that it didn't really look like he was going anywhere at the beginning, just stuck in the same sort of place and even when he had managed to move forward, it wasn't making a huge 
dent. It wasn't a massive leap forward and him being able to fight for a podium or getting close to Carlos even. His car in particular just looked like such a diva to control. I saw his head bobbing up and down on the streets which just looked uncomfortable and a lot like what we saw at Miami with the poor posting last year. Not just that though but when he was steering the car it didn't look easy to control. Post-race he'd said that he was getting both understeer and oversteer with the car which just seems insane to me when you're steering and trying to predict where the car is going to go and what it's going to do next. Like I said, quality pace is great, it's really good for them when they get it into a really good working window and it's nice to see them start the race towards the front but they're just getting eaten by the cars around them so quickly. They don't stand a chance in the races if this carries on and they can't figure out how to expand that working window for the setup and I think that's where they're quite similar to Mercedes this year and definitely the Mercedes last year. Alpine had a much, much better weekend with them managing to get both of their drivers into the points. So here's to hoping that the upgrades are working well for them and that they've put the worst of their bad luck behind them. Saying that though, Pierre had said that the car was a little difficult for him to manage since it was understeering and Charles had had a conversation with him about that as well because he'd obviously been driving behind Pierre for a bit of the race and thought that the car looked like a bit of a handful to manage. So with a better setup maybe that can sort that out or upgrades, we might see that car doing even better. So they're gonna be a team to keep an eye out for I think. And after the words from their CEO, Laurent Rossi, this was a team that really needed to have that better weekend. Laurent said he wasn't happy with their performance, specifically in Bahrain and Baku. He said it was amateurish the way the team and the drivers have been handling it. So hopefully this weekend is something that can put him in a little bit of a better mood because a double points finish is nothing to be unhappy about. At least that's what I think from where Alpine were. Mercedes race pace once again looks so much stronger than their one lap pace, basically the inverse of what's happening with Ferrari right now. George finished in P4, Lewis managed to make his way up from P13 to P6 and there was a good bit of teamwork done with Lewis letting George get by since they were on different strategies with George having pitted and Lewis still waiting to pit. So the race was something that I think probably lifted the spirits of the team but it's still not where they want to be. I mean their race pace was pretty similar to Fernando's but he was chilling in his own little bubble in P3, not able to keep up with the pace of the Red Bulls that were in front of him and no real threat from behind. So it could be that he was just holding back on the pace a little bit because there wasn't really a need for him to push and wear out the engine or risk making a stupid mistake. Barring all that though, it was clear that the Merc race pace was better than the Ferraris, but quality pace is something that they're really going to need to work on, otherwise they're just making the race harder on themselves and like we saw with Lewis, they're going to be more susceptible to incidents if they can't qualify the cars further up the field, you are just more likely to get into an incident. Lance didn't make up the places I think everyone was expecting him to, but honestly, I don't think that's down to him or the car. Aston had put him on one heck of a strategy, honestly. It was an interesting one. They left him on the hard tyres way longer than anyone else that had started on them and were basically hoping for a safety car to happen. That was what their strategy was pinning itself on. 
And don't get me wrong, I don't completely blame them for that. I was definitely expecting there to be at least one safety car. Between the race last year, what's happened so far this season, and what happened during all the practice sessions, I definitely thought we were going to see at least a VSC if not a full safety car. So it did seem like a fairly safe bet, but it didn't materialise and it ended up messing up Plants' race. Haas, on the other hand, didn't have a weekend to complain about in my opinion. Kevin had managed to get the Haas into Q3 during quality and the red flag meant that he was going to be starting at P4 and I think that's Haas's highest start on the grid for a race. They have had higher in a sprint race with Kevin managing to get pole position for that but for a race I'm pretty sure P4 is their highest grid start. So an amazing qualifying for them and specifically for him and Kevin ended the race in P10 and got a points finish for the team. Honestly I think he did some really amazing driving this weekend during quality and the race and I think it's one for him to be proud of. I'm just honestly so surprised that we didn't see any kind of cautions during this race. No yellow or red flags, not a single kind of safety car coming out and don't get me wrong I'm really glad that all the cars managed to finish in one piece there were no accidents no one got hit but with the track being green all the incidents that we saw last year and just what we've seen so far this season it was just surprising to me the final podium was not a surprise though i did think there was a chance that checker would have been able to win but when i saw the strategy that max was on and also the sheer pace that he had in that car he was definitely feeling comfortable in it this weekend checker really did not stand a chance so that top three was a little bit more predictable to me i am definitely expecting to see in some way shape or form a lot more sergio max fernando podiums this season overall though I don't know guys, I'm not a huge fan of the Miami GP anyway and to be fair, we did get some overtakes this race but I'm still waiting for that closer racing and that's got nothing to do with the GP or the track but it's just F1 in general right now. Overtakes are great and call me demanding but I want to see that overtaken car come back to attack and battle for their place again. I want to see them consistently all over the field and like I've said during this entire season so far I want more cars in that battle at the front and I'm waiting for it to happen but I don't think it's gonna be this season as much as I'm hoping it will be and if it does happen and that's a massive massive if I think it's going to be way towards the end of the season when both championships are pretty much already wrapped up. Your driver of the day was Max who managed to make up eight places to take the race win and keep the lead in the championship but for me I have to say my driver of the day was Lewis. In a car that was a struggle to drive this weekend to make up seven places was pretty impressive and there were some pretty clean and just great overtakes against Valtteri and Charles that I really loved watching. F1 are taking a week break before we head out to Imola and we should be seeing some massive updates come from a few of the teams out there so that's going to be an interesting one. It's a GP that I really enjoy and I can't wait to see what these huge updates are going to include and what they could do to the field. Don't get me wrong, they might not do anything at all but there's always a potential that they could properly shake things up and down the field so we're gonna have to wait and see on that one but I am super super excited for it. 
thank you guys so much for listening make sure you follow me on tiktok and instagram at stewards underscore office for more f1 content and i'll see you guys next time you are summoned to the stewards office